You're listening to At Any Rate, J.P. Morgan's global research podcast, where we take a look at the story behind some of the biggest trends and themes in today's fixed income currencies and commodities markets. I'm Alex Rover from the U.S. Fixed Income Strategy Team, and joining me today is Teresa Ho, who is a Managing Director and Head of Short Duration Strategy for J.P. Morgan's Investment Bank. As part of her work following U.S. funding and short-duration fixed income markets, Teresa has also been researching and monitoring and publishing on the evolution of stablecoin for some time, particularly with an eye towards how they interact with and potentially might disrupt traditional money markets. In that vein, uh, Teresa has been closely following developments around Terra USD and the Luna token, and earlier this week, we collaborated on a client note focused on implications and contagion risk for the broader U.S. money markets. That note, a stablecoin depegs badly, along with Teresa's other research, is available to J.P. Morgan Institutional Fixed Income Investor Clients on J.P. Morgan Markets. I'll also note that Nikos Panagerzlogo has written separately on the destabilization of Terra and Luna implications for stablecoins and DeFi and crypto markets in the May 11th edition of the Flows and Liquidity piece. That is also available to clients on J.P. Morgan Markets. Before we get started with Teresa, just to be clear, uh, the views that we're sharing today are solely the opinions of J.P. Morgan's U.S. Fixed Income Research Team and not necessarily those of the broader institution. So getting into this, yesterday, uh, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was quoted by the American banker as saying, and I'm paraphrasing this slightly, but saying that she wouldn't characterize what's happening with with cryptocurrency at this scale um, as a real threat to financial stability but that stable coins are growing very rapidly and they present the same kind of risks that we've known for centuries in connection with bank runs. So that was sort of uh, Chair, or, sorry, Secretary Yellen's view on, um, on where stable coins are right now. And I guess with that in mind, Teresa, for context, can you kind of briefly explain how stable coins and traditional money markets are related? And really what, what are participants in the broader funding markets most concerned about? Sure. There are two ways stable coins and the money markets are related. The first is in the same way that we use deposits and money funds as a form of cash, there is a very similar utility value with stable coins. And what I mean by that is that they allow market participants to move in, in and out of other cryptocurrencies without all the volatility that comes with being a digital asset. So said another way, stable coins are the cash of crypto uh, and not now, but eventually we could see stable coins competing with deposits and money funds as a form of cash. The second way stable coins are related to the money markets is via the reserve assets that back the stable coins. Most stable coins use dollar assets to back the coin. And because of the need to maintain their peg to a dollar, the reserve assets that are um, usually backing the coin are usually high quality liquid assets. So think cash deposits, treasury bills, CPCDs, and other money market instruments. As it relates to uh, broader funding market concerns, um, there are really kind of two things that market participants are concerned about. First is just the overall volatility in the cryptocurrency market. It, it is still a very new asset class. And as of now, it is very much unclear how stable coins perform different market environments. When equities sell off, does that mean crypto sells off? And if crypto sells off, does that mean stable coins sell off? Those are the things that we just don't know because there is not a lot of history at this point in time. The second thing is, and this goes hand in hand with the first concern, 
is that should stable coins experience sustained selling pressure, can they handle those redemptions and still maintain their peg to a dollar? They might or they might not. A lot will depend on the reserve assets that they hold um, and, and whether they can handle those redemptions. And unfortunately, there is just not a lot of transparency into those reserve assets. Broadly speaking, we know they invest in treasury bills and commercial paper and certificate of deposits, but we don't know anything about their duration. We don't know anything about their credit quality. And in the event they need to sell those assets to meet redemptions at once, it could certainly have implications for the broader funding markets. So in contrast, in the case of like a, a government money market fund or even a prime money market fund, or even you know some of the liquid, uh, short-term bond funds we, we, we see in the markets or you know what we, what we know in bank portfolios, we have pretty decent clarity into, into one, what assets are, are backing the, the liabilities. And then two, you know, how those are going to sort of react to, um, you know, standard sort of market developments, that, you know, redemptions, uh, new new money coming in. Stablecoin is is a bit more challenging given the newness of it and and the newness of that environment. Um, and I guess you know maybe you know a key point from this week is that the Terra USD is different from other stablecoins. It's an algorithmic coin. How does that? sort of play into the whole the whole picture here. Right. So Terra is, as you said, an algorithmic stable coin, which means that it attempts to maintain its dollar peg through an algo that controls the supply of Terra uh, via an associated cryptocurrency called Muna. And the idea behind this is that if Terra trades below $1, Arbitrageurs are incentivized to buy Terra the coin and exchange it for $1 worth of Luna, hence making an instant prof profit. In the process, uh, one coin is removed from the circulation, the supply of Terra decreases, and then the price of Terra goes up, and the inverse is true. So that is an algo coin. Um, most other stable coins are not algo stable coins. In the case of Tether and USD coin, for example, they are two of the largest stablecoin issuers and representing close to 80% of the market. They are asset-backed stablecoins. So they are backed by the reserve assets that I was just talking about earlier, T-bills, CPCD, cash deposits, and the way they maintain their peg is via these reserve assets. There are also commodity-backed stablecoins and crypto-backed stablecoins. So as a general matter, it's not a one-size-fits-all business model. There are actually a lot of different types of stable coins. And this distinction matters in this particular case of what happened this week because the sell-off uh, seemed to have been very specific to Terra, the algo stable coin. There hasn't been any significant impact on Tether or USD coin, which would seem to suggest that the market confidence in Tether or USD coin and their ability to maintain their peg is still there and holding. And as a result, we haven't really seen any follow-up impact in the funding market so far just yet. And to be clear, we weren't really seeing sort of a major impact when it, when it comes to more sort of traditional uh, money market investments uh, related to this, but it is gaining a lot of attention. Correct. I, I think the, the, the broader um, concern was whether what happened with Terra will uh, have a follow-up impact to the likes of Tether and USDC. Um, and if so, you know, would they need to sell any of the reserve assets to kind of maintain it to, um, to fulfill those redemptions? Um, as of right now, we're just kind of not seeing that activity taking place. 
there's a comment at the end of the note uh, that regulation is coming to stable coins. You know, what exactly were you thinking there, Teresa? As I said earlier, stable coins and more broadly cryptocurrency is still a very new asset class. There are currently no regulations in place yet to govern the sector. It is an entirely unregulated space. It's also an asset class that's growing very rapidly and has the potential to have substantial spillover effects into the traditional markets. So for obvious reasons, regulators are very focused on this and various treasury and Fed officials have come out over the past year and talked about the increased need to regulate the sector. That's why we think it's a matter of time uh, before we see regulations on stable points um, come to market. I guess on that point, the financial supervision apparatus in Washington have had you know stablecoin on the radar for seemingly a few years. You know, with the focus, I guess, getting broader and more intense as the sector grows. So, yeah, as we're thinking about like potential regulations, um, I guess we could take a model that looks like you know money market funds, um, or we can take a model that sort of looks like banks. And the big difference being a money market fund is a, an investment company, and a bank is is a bank. What, what sort of makes the most sense here, do you think? Based on comments from some of the regulatory officials, it seems like they are inclined to regulate stablecoin issuers like banks. And doing so would not only reduce run risks, but also payment system risks that arise from mechanisms that are used to store or transfer value, um, as well as concentration risks. So presumably, Stablecoin issuers would be subject to the appropriate supervision and regulation, and they would have to comply with capital and liquidity requirements. Among other things, regulating stablecoin issuers like banks will work to bolster the market confidence in stablecoins as a means of payment or as, as a means of store value in normal times, um, and as well as in times of stress, limit the risk of a run on stablecoins. I guess as we're thinking about cryptocurrency and supervision in sort of a U.S. regulatory model, you know, both, both banks and, and, and government MM, government money market funds, you know, are heavily regulated. Um, and actually both, you know, wind up being a, a significant, you know, playing a significant role in, you know, the overall, you know, monetary policy regime and, and keep, can keep assets at the Fed. So the, the banks obviously have reserves and, and the uh, money market funds have their overnight RRP. Uh, and both of those have, have grown significantly in, in recent years as the Fed balance sheet have grown. They both play, play, play a role in terms of, you know, of um, their influence on short-term interest rates as well. So again, it's really early to be thinking about this, but you know, if you know, stable coins get regulated in the US you know, and they're required to have high quality liquid assets, you know, do we think that they wind up you know, being on the Fed's balance sheet somehow, either as reserves or some form of, of RRP um, or something like that? I think it's way too soon to tell at this point. A lot will depend on how regulations in the stablecoin sector evolve. There are pros and cons to allowing stablecoin issuers, even if regulated, access to the Fed. But Whatever the case may be, we can assume that there will be implications to the traditional banking system as well as to the rest of the money markets. And we published some of this in a research note that we put out in March 
um, for anyone that's interested. But as, as a general matter, we think it's just too soon to tell at this point whether it makes sense for stablecoin issuers to have access to the Fed. It definitely seems like regulation of, of uh, cryptocurrency and stablecoin is something we're going to be revisiting again. Anyway, Teresa, thanks for your insight on stablecoin. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us today. Please stay tuned for more episodes of At Any Rate, JP Morgan's global research podcast series. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please read JP Morgan research reports related to its contents for more information, including important disclosures. Copyright 2022, JP Morgan Chase & Company. All rights reserved. This episode was recorded on May 13th, 2022.